It's a Thursday edition of Locked on NBA. I'm David Locke, and usually I'm with Ben Golliver right now. But this week, I want you to get to hear an amazing show we have on the Locked on Podcast Network called Rejecting the Screen with Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko. They go ISO with Sean Marion, one-on-one, in-depth, long interview. I sometimes like to think of them, if you're a longtime podcast listener, as the Mark Marin of sports podcasts, finding these in-depth, incredibly researched one-on-one interviews with people you've known forever, and they give you takes and insight and stories you've never heard. They're Butch Beard, longtime NBA veteran, and in the league forever, Butch Beard told an amazing story about trying to be recruited by Kentucky and Joby Hall saying, I don't know that I can protect you as an African-American on our campus. The stories they have gotten out of some of their previous guests are amazing. So check out the Rejecting the Screen podcast feed. If you want to find other ones, Adam Morrison is their guest that launched today. And earlier this week, they sat down with Sean Marion. It was amazing. So that's the Thursday edition of Locked on NBA is Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko on Rejecting the Screen with Sean Marion. You can follow them on Spotify or subscribe on iTunes. It's Rejecting the Screen. Here we go, Rejecting the Screen, the Going ISO edition. Noah Kozlov out here on the East Coast, out West, Adam Stanko. In the middle of the country is Sean Marion, the number nine overall pick in 1999 out of UNLV, a four-time All-Star, two-time All-NBA, a 2011 champion with the Dallas Mavericks, 16 years in the NBA, most prolific, the nine and a half years with Phoenix. He's the Matrix, and he's currently on the board of the Retired Players Association. Before we get into hoops, tell me the story when you bought a Bentley. Oh, wow. Huh. <laughs> so, so I wanted uh, I had, at the time. <laughs> this is funny. This is actually kind of kind of kind of crazy. So at the time, um, Bentley had was basically releasing their first coupe, and um, it was a GT Continental back then. So um, I was like, shoot, I seen it. I seen the pictures of it. I was like, man, that's dope. And I seen the price of it. I was like, okay, I, I'll spend that, you know, for a car. So. So I ordered it at the Gold Coast um, dealership in Chicago, downtown Chicago. Right off, uh, you know, if you're from the city, you know. So I ordered it down there, and no, no joke. So I got a call saying my car came in from overseas. They ready to ship it. You know, because you got when you order a car, some kind of cars, you pick out everything from the interior to the finish, everything, everything you could think of, you pick out on that car. So I picked it out and all that stuff. So I was excited. So they told me it's on its way to me. I was in Phoenix at the time. So I kid you not, <laughs> within a uh, within two days after they telling me the car had pick, been picked up and was on its way to me, um, the, the truck had came through, uh, went through some kind of storm, and the, the car got totaled before it even got to Phoenix. It got totaled <laughs> coming through the mountains or something. And I was like, I was so fucking pissed off. I was mad as hell. Cause I I waited I waited for I was I had the first white one coming into the country so but at that time yeah I waited I mean I think when I ordered it it took another uh, I didn't get it till it took about another six months or so before I even got the car so yeah I was I was really excited to get it and I didn't even get the car. Well, so, so how did that how did that conversation go 
with the with the guy on the other line. Well, he was like, well, you know, at the time though, because it was um, it was a basically a custom order the car, you know, and saying you had to order, you had to basically pick all your stuff. So when you ordered, you you, was, you became on a wait list. So it was a wait list for the car, and I was like, what the fuck, man? So now what's gonna happen now? He was like, well, you know, you we basically have to get you another car. You have to order another car and do the whole process all over again. But we we can see we can try to see if we can bump you back up up uh, a little faster sooner, but we can't guarantee that. You know what I'm saying? I was like, well, shit, I don't want it no more. Excuse my friends, but like, I'm like, what what am I supposed to do now? So I was just so pissed off I couldn't get the car. I went and bought I went I went that same day or whatever, or same day or next day I went and bought me uh, the new uh, 911 uh, Turbo Porsche. <laughs> <laughs> Where's that Bentley now? Um, I don't know. So I actually asked them. You know, it's funny you say that because I actually asked them could we just because it, 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 basically they said the roof had caved in on the car. I was like, well, make it a convertible. I was like, make it the first convertible. And ah. it's funny. It's funny how they they said that. I'm pretty sure because the, 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 they, they could, somebody could salvage that car. It, it, it was just the top of the roof caved in. But since since I hadn't received the car, it was a brand new car. You cannot you cannot get get uh you cannot take receive a, a damaged car at all. You know what I'm saying? So because it's supposed to be brand new. So I'm pretty sure that whoever junkyard got the car, they had a brand new engine in it, the whole body, everything was fine. They said the, the only thing that happened with the car that got damaged was that the roof. I was like, shit, cut the roof off and, and put the making convertible. That's what I would do if I was <laughs> at the body shop or whatever. But I don't know what they did with the car. <laughs> All right, let's let's go back a ways. You mentioned you you're buying that car from Chicago. So let's go back to Chicago. What were those legendary Chicago playground pickup games like? You know, it's funny because uh, there's no, you know, you only can play ball seasonally in Chicago because of the weather. But I tell you this, the we was uh, I was with some friends uh, prior to this quarantine time, <laughs> and we was reminiscing on the on the summer league, and uh, you know, and uh, me, Tim Hardaway, Mike Antoine Walker, Mike Finley, Juwan Howard, Corey McGetty, Bobby Simmons. Uh, you name it, you know, Paul McPherson. You start naming almost everybody within the last 20, 25, 30 years from the uh, from Chicago who played ball, played in the summer league. And when I say this this generation played pretty much at the IIT, the other, the first generation played at Chicago State. So I didn't play it. I wasn't that old. So, but, but during my time, tenure of playing in the summer league, I tell you what, it was standing room only. You know, it was crazy because I live in North Chicago, which is like 35, 40 minutes from downtown. And it's no suburbs. So like, I used to when my family used to come see me play, want to watch me play. I used to tell them they had to get there. You know, saying we get there a lot early because you know we had a player's entrance, but we didn't even have a fan entrance and stuff. And typically, your family and them coming with you, but I never, I never got there early enough. And a lot of times, they wouldn't be able to get seats because they they never they never blocked off anything. But they did. If you got there early, you got your seats, you were fine. You know, what I'm saying it's just about getting inside. You know, say because once you get the capacity, they're not nobody else in. And when I tell you. Man, it was probably one of the one of the most livest things you ever go to. You know, I see a lot of videos of people showing summer leagues and stuff like now, and uh, in LA and places like that. I played in all those as well, but it ain't nothing like Chicago. It, I mean, like you talking about the Chicago, we talking about in-house gyms versus like being the only quick thing closest to playing in Chicago with that kind of atmosphere was probably the Rucker because the Rucker was like standing room only. It was ridiculous. And everybody was on top of each other. In there. That's how it is in Chicago. And this is a hot box though. Be inside a, a, a gym with a hot <laughs> box. I mean, everybody's sweating. Like, as soon as you walk in, you're sweating. That's how hot <laughs> it is in there. So, but when I tell you 
uh, it was uh, it was so electric in there, and like you, you you when you came in there to play, you made sure you had you had to have a good game because not they gonna let you know. We had and we had a guy on the mic, and he he was letting you know who was in the gym and who wasn't in the gym. Uh, he's in the gym, but he didn't show up today. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, man, you know it was it was like I, I didn't I kid you not when I first got in the league too. I never missed a game. Like my first couple of years in the league, I made sure I was. I, I flew back. even when I was working out in LA, getting ready for the for the for the season. I, I flew back. I didn't miss not one game. You know what I'm saying? It was like I was like it was my ritual. Every every Saturday or Sunday, I, when we played, when we go together, I was making that game. The only way I missed yeah. it if it was something I, I couldn't get back to. But for the most part, I was coming back every week to play in that game. What's the one moment that that you guys still talk about from those days? The the one moment in a game that people still bring up. You know what? Um, probably more so the championship games. You know, I think it was between um, me and uh, me and Antoine Walker's team. Um, so uh, he was on a team and I was on a team. But like, man, you you talking about that that year only? I mean, like it was. It was the battle was who who we have on we had remember remember Leon Smith, mm-hmm. yes. yes yes Leon Smith was on my team as well with me it was me Leon Bobby Simmons and we had our uh, our point guard and uh, Mac Irvin or what Mac Irvin then we had a few other guys and stuff but we we primarily primarily played but man when I tell you like you know uh, the game was so so electric and so heated because it was just like you know we was two best teams that summer and like everybody was just, just waiting for it to happen waiting they couldn't wait for the championship game and it was just like you you when I say it was a show it was a show yeah and we ended up prevailing that year and winning the championship I got MVP and uh, it was it was pretty dope. How often did you and Antoine now. talk about that? Uh, uh, you know what I ain't BC because we don't remember because he uh, he doing TV so much now. And a lot of times when we see each other, we we ain't even talking about that. We talking about other things, you know what I'm saying? So I seen him a few. We we seen him about a month ago. Well, actually, yeah, right, right before quarantine, I, one of our friends had his um, 50th birthday party. So we was all just having a good time drinking and talking about um, a, a little other stuff. We weren't even t- pretty much talking about the t- talking about the games we played. We were talking about the current game and uh, current stuff going on versus the old stuff. And then we just talked about some of the reminisce on some of the memories about. Uh, birthday parties and stuff like that that we had that was like epic for the city as well. Noah, before we get on to the rest of the show, I want to tell our listeners about one of the ultimate life hacks. You see, even while everyone's at home right now, if you're like me and have your hands full with the family and researching Jason Kidd's career PER numbers, it's hard to find the time to sit down to read. When you don't have free time to yourself, you can't read or work on personal development. Well, there's an incredible app that solves this problem, and I highly recommend it. It's called Blinkist. Blinkist is unique. It works on your phone, your tablet, or your web browser. Blinkist takes the best key takeaways, the need-to-know information from thousands of nonfiction books, and condenses them down into just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. Blinkist makes it easy to finish a book, and while you probably don't have a commute right now and your kids might be impeding on your lunch break, You can always sneak in 15 minutes to listen while you exercise or just go out to walk the dogs. 12 million people are using Blinkist right now. And I was turned on to Blinkist by a friend of mine who's a successful sports TV host. He told me he wanted to learn about some new subjects that he knew he'd never devote the time to read an entire book on. And that's what hooked me. I've come to love Blinkist because in less than 15 minutes, I feel like I can start to gain expertise on a subject without having to actually read the book. 
Sure, I'd love to lay down on a beach somewhere and enjoy reading an entire book cover to cover, but with the three kids and obviously no beach plans in the near future, that just ain't happening. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books you want, and all for one low price. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our Rejecting the Screen audience. Go to Blinkist.com NBA, try it free for seven days, and save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com NBA to start your free seven-day trial. And you'll also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com NBA. So, Sean, you're this electric high school player. We all know you as the Matrix now and all the different things that you did. Um, you're playing in high school in, in, in Tennessee. How do you go then as this, this talent that you were to go play? And you, to, I mean, it's a story junior college program, but how do you then go to Vincennes uh, playing for Dan Sparks, running with Tyree Monroe, guys like that? But wonderful career of Vincennes, but how do you go from, from where you were in high school, the level that you were playing at to, to Juco? Uh, it was, it was pretty easy, actually. You know, I, um, actually, always actually pretty, always, always had my grades. I was really pretty good in school. And, um, the only thing I, I just didn't, um, I took the test. I took the A. So I, back when I was in school, I don't know, you know, now everybody can take, you can take either the ACT or the SAT. Mm-hmm. So now people are just, I don't know if it's just one now you can take or, or vice versa, or it's the same or not. Mm-hmm. But back then you was, you, you was, they gave you options to take both. So when I was in high school, I took the ACT. I took it, I took it once and I made a 16 on the score. So I need, I think at time you needed 17 to get on, to, to, to go to college, right? 17 or 18. So I was like a point, I know I, I, I felt like one and a half points or two points short or whatever. So something, something like that. So, so I was like, okay, do I, at the time I took it, I took it late in my senior year. So the only other time was available was right in the fall year going the following year. Cause it's only given, it's only, only you only have like once or twice a year is given. And I didn't want to sit out a year waiting to take this another test. So I was like, you know, I'm done with school now. And uh, even though I didn't get the, uh, the test score, I was like, well, you know what? I'm going to go to junior college. I was like, it's an option, you know saying? I'm saying? I can continue my education still. I don't, and I, I don't, cause if I sit around, I thought to myself, and I knew at the time what was going on in my in my surroundings and the family and everything else. But if I stick around here, I mean, ain't no telling what I'm gonna do. You know what I'm saying? Because the, the longer you put off school, the longer you are prone to, to continue it. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, am I motivated enough right now? I was like, you know what? No, nah, I need to get my ass up out of here. <laughs> Excuse my French, mm-hmm. but I need to get up out of here. I need to go ahead and, and get out of here and get to school. So I actually. I actually found I went to visit the two junior colleges. I went to Northwest Mississippi and um I went to Vincent and they invited me up there and I was like, Oh wow, this is this is and it was close in between and Vincent was in between um Chicago and, and uh Clarksville. So at the same time it was close both to both both homes. So and uh, my my family can come see me. So I was like, you know what? I've seen the campus there. I was like, man, this campus is as big as the uh, Division One campus. And I was like, oh, my God, this is it. I ain't going nowhere. I'm stuck. I'm locked and loaded. I was like, man, they was like, I, so I signed with them. They came, They created a great right? atmosphere talking about the new, new crop they got recruiting coming in and all this other stuff. I was excited. And, um, and then also uh, it made it, it, made it 
a little sweetener in her deal because I was like, well, you know, I was looking at the, the wall they had of the history of players that came through there from Bob McAdoo, Tyrone Nance being on them was on there before mm-hmm. me. You know, before, before I was like, man, look at all the guys that went pro from here. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it's in the pros. So I was like, cool, this is, this is actually a great, great place. You know? And I was just like, and, and Coach Sparks, you know what I'm saying? He was just a big six, seven, six, eight guy, you know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, talking about his history, about what he did and what he did to the game and stuff, and then and just 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 opened my eyes to a different, a different, a different, a different, a different lane of the game, a different, you know, saying different side of the game that I had never been a part of. So it was it was awesome, and uh, you know, I loved it though. And I was like, forget it, you know what? I'm coming as soon as I signed. Though I came, I, I went immediately after I graduated. I was in I was in summer school to get ahead because I was like, you know what? I'm gonna get out of here early. I was in summer school there within two weeks after I graduated from high school. Huh. I went straight to junior college. I was like, I was wow. there all summer. Yeah. Well, where Sean, if you had qualified, where would you have gone? Oh man, you know I was being recruited by a lot of people. You know, what I'm saying my dream school was always North Carolina. Though. I want to, I want to go to North Carolina. And um, at the time, uh, I was, uh, I, I couldn't. I mean, USC was recruiting me heavily at the time, and I wanted. To, I mean, I wanted to get out of the cold weather as well too. I wanted some sunshine. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. I want to go to North Carolina. I mean, I was Jordan guy, you know, I love Jordan, but like, I love Tar Heel. I love, I love the colors more than anything else as well. And, um, uh, it was just, it was just, uh, <laughs> yeah, I want to be a Tar Heel. So, so, um, that's an interesting story too. I'm going to tell you what happened with that. That'd be kind of cool. Uh, so, so anyway, I ended up going there and, uh, that's, 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 uh, that's what happened. I really wanted to be a Tar Heel though. So, uh, it, it didn't happen though, because, uh, I, I mean, I ended up going to junior college, but to, to fast forward, what was even more sweet than the deal by doing my, I became an academic all American in junior college and all that stuff. So people, a lot of people don't even know that, you know what I'm saying? I was awesome. academic all American. I was academic all American and, uh, then I was all American as well. You know what I'm saying? So, um, but my, my after my freshman year, you know, Coach Coach Sparks pulled me aside. This is so sweet though. He was like, "Look," and at the time I was one of the top. I was the top freshman and in, in in one of the top freshmen in, uh, in junior college, and and everybody was coming. I had pros come in to watch me play and stuff like that, telling me I can come out. He was like, "Look, you know, we got a lot of scouts coming in here to the games watching you play and stuff." He was like, "Look, you can come out this year if you want to," and they're telling me you can go late second round. Uh, I mean, early, I mean, late first round, early second round, whatever, you know, I don't, I can't, I, but they, 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 they saying you, you, you're ready, you know what I'm saying? But it's up to you to make the decision on what you want to do. But also in the Woodworks, I just got a call from, he got a call from Dean Smith. He was like, Dean Smith said he had, you know what I'm saying? He was going to have a scholarship come available and he was, he was willing to offer it to you. I was like, what? For real? I was like, huh? What? I was like, what? Oh, for real? Oh shit! I was like, oh, oh, hey, it's no brainer. Well, hold on. <laughs> I'm like, no. <laughs> no, no, don't tell me that. So, so, but pursuing that that upcoming season, though, uh, you know, he ends up retiring. You know, what I'm saying he was gonna give me the scholarship, but I didn't want to go there. He has, he's gonna have a scholarship available once I finish my two years at, at uh, Vincent's, my second season, and. He something happened, I guess, uh, with the illness. So he got sick or something, and then he was like, "You know what?" Uh, he decides to step away from North Carolina, and I was like, "Oh man, damn, I ain't going there now." So now I was like, uh, "I mean, that was a big, big part. I wanted to go there because he was there, but like, it wouldn't be the same if he wasn't wasn't there at the time, you know? Because I didn't really have to go if I didn't want to. I had, I had options to really come out, come out of junior college to go pro. 
So I was just like, yeah, now I, I still, I still wanted to further my education. So I decided to take my trip. Uh, I, I got recruited by a couple other teams. I went to visit UNLV and a few other people, but I was just like, I want to go somewhere warm. So I went to Vegas, man. And I was like, I was sold. I ain't going to know. I was like, I ain't, I don't care what nobody else thinking. I ain't want to drink nobody else's water. I was like, give me the, <laughs> give, give me the, the, the paper I'm signing right now. It's over with. I don't care. What nobody else is offering, I only care. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to Vegas, <laughs> and that was it. Chapel Hill's <laughs> a lot different from Vegas. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> that's a, that is it. That is a world away. So, so real quick, did was Bill Guthridge still interested, or did they did they pull an offer? Did they make an offer? Um, they did offer. They, I mean, they they gave me a scholarship. It was there. It okay. was there. I just I just okay. didn't um. You I mean, didn't want it anyway. at, at the time, no, because because yeah, it was just like I mean, it, it wasn't the same. It wasn't the same excitement, the same right. the same the same feeling, you know. So yeah. dra- let, let, let's fast forward through UNLV draft workout with the Suns. I know you yeah. were going up against guys who were top prospects, and and you were you were you were considered a first round pick, but you weren't considered when coming out of UNLV like a locked top ten guy. Against the Suns, you're working out against some of those top prospects. Who were you working out against, and what was it like? Oh wow! So that workout, I, I think I had every every top small forward that was supposed to be projected to be top top ten in that workout. The only person who went at that workout, I think, was Lamar Odom. So I think that year, let me let me go back. Jonathan Bender, because he was coming out of high school. Uh, Bobby Lazor, uh, Jermaine Jones. Um, Quincy Lewis, uh, who else? Who else? Who else? Think. Um, Kevin George, James Posey. Yes. Yes. Yep. Well, it, it didn't matter. Uh, it it really didn't matter who was there. I killed everybody that motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what does that look like? Hitting shots, dunking on people, taking the ball. Man, everything. Everything. Everything they put you, put us through, and we actually competed against each other. So they actually want to see you go. We played one on one, everything, everything. And I'm not even exaggerating everything, duh, but like, I'm, uh, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, it wasn't even close. Yeah. So, so you knew when you finished that workout that there was no way you were getting past the Suns. Oh yeah, by far, okay. easily. No, no question at all. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, though. That was the that was the luxury of during that time, of of some of us. Uh, some of the players, though, that 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 was like, okay, they they think they possibly can be a lottery pick, but like at the same time, though, people want to see them go against other players. We can see how good they is, you know what I'm saying? And depending on your agents or whatever, most of the agents, typically, a lot of them don't want to go. They just, uh, especially now, they avoid anybody who they think is competition for you now because they don't want to make them. They don't. They want to make sure they, you look as good as possible, uh, and they don't want it. They don't want no turmoil. But then. Back then, you had to compete against everybody, man. They and they and and then a lot of teams wanted it like that anyway. They wanted you to go against these guys because that's 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 gonna make decisions, the final line decision on if if you better than them or not better than them. You know what I'm saying? And with me being on a on a West Coast team at UNLV, a lot of people probably didn't get to see me because we played a lot. We played a late nights a lot of times, you know. And you know, by the time we put you came home, people was in bed. You know what I'm saying? Sleep. Our games was only midnight. You know what I'm saying? Eastern Conference. You know, East Coast. So. Um, it was just it was just one of those times though. Like it, it was it was great though, man. You, you had to, I mean you had to be there and see. I think you can uh, you can probably call all these guys next. It was it was a great workout, but I, I mean I killed that workout though. <laughs> all right, so you kill the workout. Suns draft you ninth overall pick as as was mentioned. 
So you join a team that's got Jason Kidd, Penny Hardaway, Rex Chapman, Kevin Johnson, and also Danny Ainge is the coach, and and he's fired 20 games into the season after going 13 and 7. Like, what is going through your head, and what is that experience like? What are practices like that rookie year in Phoenix? Man, my rookie season was was amazing, you know. And um, I can tell you this: I had some great veterans on that team. Yeah, you know, um, I think it was I, I, he got he got fired, but I think it was more more of him stepping away versus being fired, though, to a certain degree, because uh, the way. I think he, he kind of was kind of like he wanted to coach. They didn't want to coach, but he wanted to spend time with his family and mm-hmm. stuff like that. It was a, I think it was a mutual situation for both sides. Right. So with that being said, though, um, um, you know, it, it was it was cool. It was great. I mean, me, me being the only rookie on the team, you know, look at my, my rookie season team. I had Toby Bailey from UCLA was balling, you know what I'm saying? I was like, you know, everybody remember Toby Bailey, UCLA highlights of him balling, you know what I'm saying? And I, and I got Cliff Robinson, like you said, Cliff Robinson, Rodney Rogers, Luke Longley, um, Rex Chapman, Jason Kidd, Penny Hardaway. I mean, we had a we had a whip. And I was like, man, I'm the only rookie on the team. And I was like, man, I'm just I'm just like in awe and just taking in, taking in all the knowledge, man. It's crazy because the first day I drove and this people this people this is this is how this is how I was welcome to the NBA. First day uh basically of training camp quote-unquote individual workout well i drive into the arena and you know if you've been if you've been to phoenix when you drive into the parking with players parking you come into the back of the arena and then you come down like a slope so i'm coming in i'm, I'm driving a slope man i'm seeing i'm seeing ferraris i'm seeing i'm seeing porsches i'm seeing i'm, I'm seeing hummers h1 hummers i'm seeing everything down here i'm like oh my god i'm walking into a dealership i'm like oh <laughs> so I'm like, man, I'm in awe, man. Listen, you know, I ain't never had anything, never, you know, I mean, just, just to be around these guys and to, and to be humbled enough to, to, to have a chance to, to, to play and compete against these guys. I was just excited and I was, I was all open, all ears, man. I was, I was learning from everybody, you know what I'm saying? I was asking questions, you know, and, and learning. I, I was, I was geared. I was, I was locked in. And I, I, that's one thing, I, all the veterans I had on the team, though, you know, when you ask questions, they, 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 they talk to you, you know what I'm saying? When you got to ask, though, like, and a lot, and I loved it, you know what I'm saying? I was going to all my teammates' houses, you know, because I was the only guy there. I was there by myself, you know what I'm saying? Had some friends and family come in occasionally, but for the most part, I was locked in by myself. And, you know, um, I was just going to spend time with my teammates, man, just trying to get to know them and learn how to – I was learning how to be a pro, you know, and that's what, you know what I'm saying, I commend and I respect all those guys, all my teammates. I had, and they, they laid a, for, a format for me, and they laid out there for me and showed me how to be a pro. It's not about it's easy to be an NBA player. A lot of guys don't know how to be pros. And that that was the foundation they had laid for me. And I respect those guys for it. Sean, one of your vets was a very close friend of mine, and he is a different cat entirely. What's it like when Don McLean is your is your vet? <laughs> oh God, he was great. He was a quiet guy, but you know what I'm saying? He but he came in, he was a pro he was a pro, man. Look, it was funny because I, when he came to Phoenix, I think he was getting paid by six teams. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, he might be the only guy I ever seen get paid by by be on be on roster, get cut, and get picked up by somebody else so quick. I ain't never seen a guy like that. It happened to a guy like that. He was getting paid by six teams, I think, when he came to Phoenix at the time. That was crazy. But he was a cool guy. Uh, and listen, he he learned how to, he knew he knew how, he knew how to stick around. You know what I'm saying? And, and he wasn't the, the most talented player or whatever, but he knew how to stick around. He knew how to get on the roster. When Mike D'Antoni ends up taking over in '04, a quarter into the season. 
for Frank Johnson. Yeah. Could you feel like something was going to change? I knew it was going to change. Though. I mean, like one, one of the things when you become when you become that guy, you're kind of part of the process. You know what I'm saying? So everything mm-hmm. is basically coming to you before before it goes to anybody else. You know what I'm saying? And you kind of know what's going on, even though you're not speaking on it. You know, and certain things you 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 know, and uh, they they took they pulled you to the side and told you. You know, what I'm saying that's one thing I respect about Franchos and stuff. You know, they they they're pretty they're pretty honest. I mean, I mean, I mean, they're not pretty. They're, they're honest and they're very candid about how they feel about certain things. And they're they don't they they're not shocked by voicing their opinions about about much at all. <laughs> you know, and I love it. Mm-hmm. You know, what I'm saying Jerry was was you know saying of course at the top, but you know Brian and them they 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 made sure that they, they kind of. They kind of kept me in the loop with everything that was going on, and I really appreciate them and respect them for that. You know, what I'm saying they knew exactly um, where where uh, where, I, where I stood and how, how, what, what part of the team they they saw me being a big part of the future, and and they they kind of kept me in the loop with everything. And I really respected that about it. All right. So then, with that being said, if if Phoenix hadn't signed Steve Nash, say Dallas matches that offer. So if they hadn't signed Nash, hadn't signed Q Rich, do you think? Kobe would have come to Phoenix. You know what? Um, it's possible. It's possible. But I mean, like you know, playing for the Lakers is like playing for the Cowboys uh, of football. I'm saying that's that's just is what it is, and and um, you know, we, it's, that's the only level you really can compete them with to a certain degree. But I mean, it's possible. I mean, listen, you know, I think um, you know it was some great pieces we had there, and uh, I think he could have definitely added to that, and we could have done some magical things and stuff, you know. And uh, it just it just unfortunately didn't happen. Were you trying to recruit him? Oh yeah, I would always. <laughs> who, 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 why wouldn't I? <laughs> yeah, of course. Like, he's a true competitor. Like you know, I, I love playing against Kobe. You know, I think uh, you know that's that's one of the things I, I love. He laced him up. He came to play. He wasn't no. Uh, I'm taking the night off now. I'm eating the play. I love it. What what got you more amped? So early in your career, you guarded Jordan, then guarding Kobe, or say guarding. We'll got, we'll talk about LeBron a little bit, or guarding KG. I mean, so so it's interesting you say that because you know for the most part I wasn't really guarding the bigs until until we we changed the style of play. You know, what I'm saying so early in my career I was guarding small forwards and occasionally a little two here and there, but it was more small forwards. So I didn't I didn't go to guarding KG and them until we switched them into the small lineup. You know, what I'm saying, right. um, and that's when. But uh, that was a challenge for me though. I, I wasn't all aboard on that at first. You know, what I'm saying I was like, this is this is because they went. That's, that's when D'Antoni took over his full season. He was like, we gonna go this route. We got Steve. We got Q. We gonna we we want we wanna uh, we. It's funny though because during that training, I'm trying to think when we was doing preseason workouts and stuff. I don't know if we all was on the same team or not. I can't remember. I think we was all mixed up, and because we didn't know who was gonna start, who wasn't gonna start, because we had a lot of new faces in and stuff, right? So, so what happened is they they was like, we gonna we gonna go this route. You know, doing training count. We going, you know, saying uh, Mario at the five, Sean at the four, uh, uh, Q and Joe two and three, and uh, Steve at the one. We was like, what? I was like, oh, so you want me to play power four? I was like, uh, really? I'm mm. like, I don't know about this. You don't know, but you no. Know, I was like, fuck it. All right, fuck it. I want to, I mean, I was like, you think we can win like this? Fuck it. I bought in. I was like, I'm locked in. Okay, whatever you want me to, but I'm going to have to buy, buy that. By, but but by me doing that, though, you know, power four at the time was the most dominant position in the league. Right. And a lot of people don't understand that. Like, like seriously, I'm six, seven, 
225, 30 pounds. I'm like, I'm having to guard seven footers that's, you know, what I'm saying 280, 275, 280 pounds. I'm like, that doesn't, that doesn't mathematically, and if you visually, that don't even look right or sound right, does it? <laughs> no, you can't. Yeah, you know, I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't it seem right that that you're guarding KG, you're guarding Tim Duncan, she Wallace. You know what I'm saying? You name the list. You know what I'm saying? Now I'm, I'm having to guard the most dominant position in the league at the time. I was like. Do y'all really know what this? I'm like, and I don't think people really understand the game and, and, and really can think about that though. For me, as six seven to do that and get twenty and ten, uh, opposite. I mean, like that's that's not easy, and a lot of people can't do that. A lot of people wouldn't do it, not for no full season. They do it. Everybody can switch up and guard somebody big for for a couple of possessions here and there, but not for no whole game. They ain't thinking about trying to do it. They ain't trying to do it. They don't want to do it. <laughs> Mm-mm. It wasn't just those numbers, Sean. In 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 2005, Game Six of the Western Conference Semis, you beat Dallas in overtime. You had 38 and 16. I mean, that's 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 part of it. You know, I think you know, I, I love the challenge, man. I love to compete, man. You know, that's what that's what fueled and drive me. And I love to, I love proving people wrong. You know, and one of the things, uh, you know, that's what I said. You could put a you could, you could put a lot of, you could put a price tag on a lot of things about certain players, and you go, know, he's a shooter. You can so you can you can price him just with shooters. He's just a shooter, so he's 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 six or whatever. He's five million, whatever you want to put price on him, whatever he is. Or he's just a rebounder. He's worth you know saying that's all he does. But one of the things you can't put a price on, you can't put a price on a player's heart and his determination, his determination to will and win, our power and mindset to win. You can't put a price on that. Can you take us inside what's one of the things about the Spurs Suns rivalry that that fans don't know about. Well, everyone was pretty pretty awesome. You know, my first year, you know, my first year we beat them. You know, what I'm saying uh, with when KJ when JJ got hurt with a break broke ankle and he came back in the playoffs, mm-hmm. but I mean, KJ came out of retirement. That was epic. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie to you. So like for me to play with KJ because I was a KJ fan growing up. You know, I used to buy his. I, I have I had his Converse and his. Uh, uh, his Converse React when it came out and stuff back in the day, man. I was, man, I was like, man, I'm, I got, I mean, I'm playing with KJ, really. I'm like, mm-hmm. you gotta be kidding me. And it was like playing with a living legend, a son's legend, though. Like I was like, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I play with with stuff, and I mean, not stuff. I mean, with um, with uh, Penny and uh, Jay Kidd and stuff. But like to have KJ come out of retirement, though, like, come on, like, you know, it was just like, oh, I'm like, oh man, we can do something. Let's do this. And then. uh you know, we can, we beat the Spurs that uh that first that first round and then we got ramp against them Lakers though <laughs> and uh you know yeah they open they open our eyes real quick you know what I'm saying but uh but it, it was fun though man I can't you can't even I can't I'm like how can you just like man it was it was amazing it was an amazing time and I just sit back and I reflected on that I was just thinking about that uh, watching the old game the other day and I was just like wow man. Look at the list of guys I played with. I, I, play, I had a lot of teammates when I was in Phoenix, but like I played with some great, great guys. All right, so then let's stay with the Spurs in, in 07 in the Western Conference semis, the Tim Donaghy series. At the time, did you think something was fishy going on? And what was the reaction when you found out something was? Um, you know, I didn't actually. I didn't. I didn't know anything was going on. You know, I think we was we was just the mindset where we was like we can win the series and uh and our uh, and then um. Just, just go out and play the game. You know, that's all we can think about at the time. You know, and um, you know, um, when you reflect on what was going on, how how it happened, it's 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 really it's really sad. But we actually, we still had our chance to win the series, though. Like I think it was it was up and not and, not, and not, it was in our control. And then we still we lost it, and um, that's what happened. You know, I think uh, we we didn't make the certain adjustments when we could have and uh, made changes, and uh, they did. And yeah, 
And it just happened. It just uh, it, it, the, the cards didn't fall in our, in, our, in, our, in our hand the right way. So, so when was the last time that when you guys were all talking about 07 that you all said, man, those guys, Amari and, and, uh, and Boris Diaw getting suspended for game five, that was bullshit. When was the last time you guys said that to each other? Uh, I don't think, I, I mean, honestly, never. Oh, really? Wow. No. I mean, you know, one of the things I've learned, and I I see it being like a lot of times when we play, when when you're a basketball player, a lot of times you don't have a chance really to you, you kind of try not to focus on the media too much. You know what I'm saying? All you do is you want to you want especially if you want to be the best player you can, you want to win. You want to focus on what your team is doing because that's enough for you. As far as with the media is concerned, it's just it's just too many it's too many it's too much noise out there, and everybody always like to start off something. You know, even if something is going good or bad. They're gonna create uh, some kind of narrative or kind of, some kind of story behind it. Media is just all they're gonna stir something up. They got they got to keep everybody in tune or try to make it make it feel like some somebody's walking on eggshells. At sometimes it's just, it just is what it is. Ain't nothing gonna be ever perfect for a season for an NBA team. Nobody or players. Period. Ever. So with that being said, the narrative that everybody was 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 if everybody was talking about. Every time I do a podcast, I talk about the sport. It's talk about that year, especially talk about the suspensions and stuff. Everybody really felt like we could have won a championship there. I didn't feel that. Team. I didn't feel it that year. I feel like we was good. I don't feel like we was the best team that year. You know, and everybody keeps talking about we could have won a championship that year. I, I could, I can honestly say that, but I mean, I can't honestly agree with y'all on that. And that's that's the narrative the media created. Everybody felt like that's the year we should have won a championship. I was like, no, the year we should have won a championship the year after. We we got beat by but watch. I mean, by uh, Dallas. Mm-hmm. With six games, that's the year we should win championship. That's the year, uh, and the first year that Q broke his face. That was a great year too. That that could have went either way as well. But the next, the following year though, and, and with, with the suspensions, I don't think we had. I don't think we had good enough team to win the championship that year. Wait, so hold up. So you're saying that if healthy, you guys would have won the championship in '06. Uh, healthy? No, we could have won it uh, the way we had it. We just didn't make the the, the adjustments we needed in '06. I think that was the year for us to win the championship. What, what kind of adjustments? Because that year, Dallas beat us in games in six, right? Dallas beat yep. us in six. Yep. And uh, then Dallas beat us in six. But if we beat Dallas that 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 that, that round, we didn't play our bench at all that, that postseason. Remember, you know what I'm saying? Kurt Thomas, Kurt Thomas played a big part in that year throughout the season and stuff. And he got hurt. And then he came back late. And then he kind of fell out of rotation. And he didn't get – and then Coach, Coach – uh, Coach, um, uh, I'm, tri- I'm, I'm tripping right now. Um uh, help me, help me right now. Uh, D'Antoni? Coach D'Antoni. Coach D'Antoni wasn't, once he got his mindset and rotation, he wasn't going past that. So he, we was playing, we was playing six, seven deep for the rest of the postseason that year. You know what I'm saying? All through the and that's, and that's literal. And that's literal because you literally, yeah. in so, the Western Conference semis, that, that's crazy. Game seven, crazy. you guys literally only played seven guys in a game yeah. seven. So, so, so look, so, so look at this. So, that, that's why I said that we played our bench that series, the, or even the series before prior leading up. Because remember, we went seven games with the Lakers, seven games with the Clippers, and then we lost Game Six of the of the of the, of the, of the Western Conference Finals to the Dallas Mavericks. So think about mm-hmm. this: we play our bench. I was that was the, that was the, that was the most that that season after that after that last Game Six. I swear I was the tired as I ever been in my whole career because I had I was guarding. You got to realize when I went to from the you go to the first go, go through every every round of that series right there. I went from guarding Kobe to Lamar and, and a couple of other people throughout the Lakers. Then I go from there to guarding San Cosell, Elton Brand and Chris Kamen. Then <laughs> switch it to me going to Dirk 
in you know what I'm saying such and such on on in, in in the in the next round. So like I was wore out, dude. I was completely wore out. I mean, I, I was balling. Don't get me wrong. I was I was doing. I was putting up some crazy numbers, but I was wore out. I was tired. And if we had played our bench and got me a little, got the team a whole little rest. I'm I'm not the only one that was tired, but I'm just saying, you got the whole team rest, dude. We beat. We we watched we beat uh we beat um we beat Dallas and then we played Miami twice that year and and we blew them out like thirty thirty points uh, twenty five thirty points every time we played them that season they mm-hmm. wouldn't we couldn't they wouldn't be able to match up with us in the, in the finals and it was like well shit that w- it would have been like it would have been a, it would been a wide open lane for us famous first round series there between you and the Lakers sure. as you yeah. talk about Garden Kobe so he hits the game winner um he hits the game winner in overtime in in game four. You guys go, you know, end up winning the the last three games of the series. But Kobe goes for 50 in game six. But in game seven, it's the game that everybody talks about where Kobe didn't shoot. As a player on the floor and as a guy who's guarding Kobe at that time, what was going through your head as you're as you're witnessing how he's treating the game? You know what? I, I couldn't. I, I couldn't. I, you, you know, when you're in a game and you're in the game and you're in the heat of battle, you're not, you can't think about that, that right there. So, so y'all, y'all going, everybody going to have their speculations about what happened, what didn't happen afterwards or during the game while we're, while we're playing. No, but we can't see that right now. We, we're in the heat of the game, so we're not thinking about any of that stuff. But you know what's interesting? What's interesting is, though, like, so that season, that season alone, just think about that year alone, we played the Lakers four times that year. We beat the shit out of them three times in a row. We played in the last game of the year, uh, two, two, second or last game of the season, and it was to make the, the to, to see if they, I guess it make, it was a, if they beat us, if we let them win, we will match it with them first round in the playoffs. And I think we could have lost against them. You know what I'm saying? We, I mean, we beat them. They don't make the playoffs, I don't think, that year. It was something like that because we could have either we, – we, 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 we basically we basically picked them to play. We, we wanted to play the Lakers in the postseason. That's why we – you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? We lost that game to them purposely. We wanted to play them in, in, the, in the postseason. So I was like, you know, a lot of times you, you pick teams that you, you think – because because you beat them three times in the regular season and postseason, that, you know, when you get into a, a seven-game series, it's just not always like that. Sometimes I think you should go out and, and keep playing the same way you're playing versus trying to trying to basically tailor-made or set something up so, so it's easier for you to – you think it's an easier process for you to get somewhere? You know what I'm saying? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, we, 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 you, you, a lot, you see a lot of teams that are dropping games or whatever, so they can they can play and try to match up against somebody else because it's better for them. And that. I'm like, okay, you think that's better for you? They don't, they don't, they, it ain't always uh, a light in the when you go and match up against somebody. You playing seven games and anything can happen. You know what I'm saying? This is true. This is true. Uh, Sean, when you, when your son's run comes to an end. How did how did you find out that Steve Kerr traded you to the Heat for Shaq? Oh, you know what's funny? So during that year, uh, I was we, Phoenix hosted Super Bowl in Phoenix. So I had a couple of charity events, and it was a great time. I had a lot of people in, so I'm having a party, a watch party at my house at the time. I was living in the build. I had a place in the Biltmore, and uh, we ran. I had a lot of celebrities over there. We all yeah, this way, this way, whatever. So. I'm like, okay, uh, whatever. So we taking bets and everything, and um, and we just having drinks and having a good old time. And then all of a sudden, uh, I get my 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 agent's calling me. He's like, he's like, that's what he's like. Uh, you finna be traded to to uh, to Miami. I was like, for real? I was like, right now. I was like, I'm like, I mean, during my party, like literally, no no joke. During the party I'm having, I get a call. I had to go outside, and uh, I'm like, to talk to him because it was so loud in there. Everybody was joking. I got traded right then. Every time I'm thinking, I'm thinking trade. And but Prior to that, though, you know, I asked for a trade before the season started. Right. 
Yeah, but yeah, that's what happened. It was like, I'm going to Miami. We're trading you for Shaq. I was like, okay. All right, we're going to make this a going away party. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was like, I didn't, you don't, I, it, it happened so quick and it was on the spur of the moment. Like, I didn't know how to respond. And like, I was, I was not happy about the way it happened. And, and it just, but it is what it is. It's part of the business, though. So I was like, okay, cool. How many people were there? Uh, it was probably about 35, 40 people there. Yeah. Turned into a good party? Oh, uh, it was a great party. I mean, I I enjoy myself, you know, have a few more drinks and saying whatever, you know what I'm saying? Just wake up tomorrow another day. Today's the day. Let's watch this game and, and have some fun. Yeah. So right. as this happens, Sean, do you just announce to, to everyone there, hey, guys, I'm going to Miami? Did I? I I'm trying to think that I, that I, not, I think I told a few people. I might have did. I, I think I may have did because I was drinking, so I probably told everybody. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Um, let's go to we, we, we appreciate the time let's go to the finals in 2011 because i got some questions i know both of us do about your time in, in dallas actually so let's talk about the time in dallas before we get to the finals did rick carlisle really have a ping pong coach yes he does yes he does he only he only i think he only gets it on he only had he only he was only coming on sundays i think on day offs during the daytime, and I, I called him in there a few times. It's cool though, but he, 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 he loved it. And I ain't mad at him though. He wasn't there working at it too. I mean, when I say, when I say he was uh, giving him a workout, like I mean, like they really was going at it. He was in there sweating like he was playing on the court, like he was running on the court. I, I heard, I heard that he used to work out do his ping pong workouts, playing ping pong and ankle weights. Uh, I don't remember him having an ankle weight on, but it's probably it, it was the way his his, his his he wore these big ass gray joggers and big ass shoes. So like it was just like it may look like he had ankle weights on, but it was just sweat being so big. <laughs> <laughs> so, so did you did you play did you play against him? Like why why would no, he have a ping pong coach? I'm not I'm not playing ping pong. I, I'm not a big ping pong. I have a ping pong table and stuff, but like I just not that's not something you know I ain't do. I, I'm may have got around one time, but it wasn't nothing serious though. But no. Who who did he play against? Who were the big ping pong guys? Uh, no, most of the time he was in there. He was he was coming in on days off, like when when he was off. He never did it typically when we um when we played and we had practice and stuff. Unless 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 uh unless it was scheduled that day or something. But typically it was mostly on day off. And he was in there doing it. He's just training. Just training. Just training. Hey, everybody so got their everybody got their little things, their little hobbies and stuff. That's true. Whatever. That's true. Whatever, yeah. Makes you take your mind off the game for a little bit and have a peace of mind. That's what it does, you know. And Carlisle is like that, you know. He does he does a little bit of everything, you know. He got uh, he plays the piano and stuff too as well. And uh, I think he has a I think he has a pilot license as well. Yeah, right. He does. He does. Uh, 2011 finals. So you had guarded already in the playoffs. You'd guarded Kobe. You'd guarded KD. Now you're getting LeBron. And when did you know? Like LeBron, that series averaged. 18 a game. He only took 20 free throws and he turned the ball over four times a game. When, when did you know that you had sucked the life out of him? I mean, the, the, the team, uh, like, I mean, we, we kind of, I would say after the first two games, we were, we were, I think the first game was kind of, I think everybody was kind of all like, all kind of like on, on a, on a shell shock. And then, the second game we started getting our lively back, like we like we like we supposed to be here and like we we know what we're capable of doing. That's when we finally got back got back got into our groove a little bit. And that third game we lost. 
But then after that, it was like, oh, I, I mean, it was like everybody stepped up and said something. I said something in the locker room. I was like, we playing like we like we scared them or some shit. Like we uh, we we play the names instead of the playing the players. And then um, man, it just like we start playing Mavericks basketball more. We start getting to ourselves more after that, and then it just start opening. And then uh, it was just like it was just off to the Rockets. But you know. Everybody keep going saying I shot down LeBron. No, it was a team collective thing that did LeBron. But I actually guarded Bron probably heavily the first two games. But then I actually went to D Wade more after the first two games because D Wade was it was a bad matchup for our guards because he, he's a great post up guy. Mm-hmm. That's what right. people don't realize though. Like right, and LeBron had, and LeBron had said that he's LeBron had said it's nothing that you Sean Marion was doing. It was it was team defense. So you'd agree I mean, with listen, that? I mean, I play great. I mean, I, everybody play individually. It's part of it. Though. It's both. You know, so it's not just, you know what I'm saying? That's what makes great defensive. On, on, you can you can block some shots, get some steals here and there. But at the same time, though, it's a collective bargain of, uh, of the team that shuts down a lot of players, everybody. You know, you know, we made sure we cut his lanes off to the to the basket. But other than that, though, you know, like, Brian is not the – Brian has never been a type to go one-on-one. That's not really his forte, though. He's, he's more of a team, team-oriented team guy, you know, and that's always – that's and nothing wrong with that, though. Like, that's what makes him special. And his size being so team-oriented about passing the ball and, and, and doing all of the stuff with the ball, you know what I'm saying, that's what, that's what makes him special. But, you know what I'm saying, as far as just trying to go one-on-one at somebody, that's not his, that's not his thing. That's never been his thing. When you guys finally win that title – how does that moment feel for you? I mean, it, it feels unreal, you know. And uh, one of the things D Wade told me, and uh, this is this is so cool though. Like, and he's like, "Man, look, congratulations, man. You know, y'all, you don't really, you don't really, really know it that you want it until maybe a month or two later. Like when all this, all the, all the, the turmoil, all the excitement stuff calm down, and then you really can reflect on what you actually did, and that's when you, you, you know what you accomplished." How sweet it is. And it was true. It was true. Like, we was on a high for the first month and a half, two months of the season. And I, one day I was just sitting at home, and I was just – I just sit back and I'm like, man, look what we did. Look what we did. And the crazy part about it, though, like the whole story, what makes us, makes us, what makes us so sweet, though, and, and we, with the icing on the cake is my, my, me and my cousin was having a conversation in my uh, in, in my in my uh, in my bar at the house in my other house uh, in Dallas here uh, preseason, and we were just talking about the, we looking at the roster, the team, and it was exciting. And uh, he was like, "Man, he's like y'all gonna win a championship this year, and y'all got all the pieces here for it right now." Then we we you know we had a couple guys to come in and out, but it wasn't no, no, no big changes. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but uh, but said he's like, "Y'all got the tools. Y'all got everything right now on paper to win a championship this year." I was like, "Man, for real, that's serious right there." And then. And then Jason Terry doing it, doing preseason, doing our preseason uh, games and stuff. We was at Deshaun Stevenson house. We had a game in Orlando and um, we went to his house and you know, a few through the team. And uh, we was over having bar eating and stuff. And then this tattoo guy came over there and jet guy tattooed a tra- trophy on his, on his bicep. I was like, damn dude. I was like, for real? I was like, okay, okay. I'm loving it. I'm loving the, the the confidence and the swag we have right now. So like, let alone don't nobody else know. Don't nobody else in the world know we do we doing this and we doing this right now. Because everybody everybody in the league has aspirations. A lot of teams have aspirations to win championships, but it ain't but maybe a handful that actually actually can do it. You know what I'm saying? So we was one of those teams, and like we're sitting there going through this process and looking at this, and uh, yeah, we was like yeah. <laughs> and for us to do it after going back and reflecting on all that stuff. 
like it, it makes it that much more sweeter because we, we made sure we proved and, and we did it very convincingly. And it's not like, and, and we did it because everybody else was proving us wrong. Like everybody else was buying to all this other stuff. You don't know what a team is capable of, you know what I'm saying, until you, until you get in the situation and get them in the postseason. You know? So you make it to the postseason, I mean, and you have a solid team and you've been playing solid all year long, you have a chance. You know what I'm saying? Because remember, that year we, beat, we we had some great win streaks that season. You know what I'm saying? And we, we showed a lot of things. And everybody was like, oh, you 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 lose a game in the postseason. And everybody like, oh, well, nah, you know, we, we think such and such is going to win it. You know, they just got one game. Like, you know, they, they, they changed it when you so quick. But we wasn't even studying that. We knew we was the best team in the postseason. We knew we were going to win it. That was, the, that was, that was it. That's how, that's how we felt. And then we was, once we went out there and did it and, and showed everybody we, we could, we shut up everybody real quick. So that night at, at Deshaun Stevenson's place, you're having a barbecue. The tattoo guy comes over, and Jet gets the tattoo. Did he tell you, hey, I'm going to get a tattoo of the trophy? Did you know as it was happening? Or once he got it, he showed you, hey, he's got a tattoo of the trophy. Well, it was called it was all kind of one sequence. We been, he's like, we won the championship this year. I'm about to get a trophy right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we were like, okay. That's what's up. <laughs> I mean... You don't get no better than that. Come on now. You don't get no better yeah, than that. Yeah, it does it. It does it. Oh, that is so funny. Uh, that, I mean, but seriously, though, think about it, though. Like, for you, I mean, my cousin actually said it. We were talking about it in my living room. And then, like, for us to go through that season and do it, and then just get the tattoo, is like, it was like, damn, it was just the icing on the tank. It was like, it was, it was, it was, for, it was foreseen already. We, but we still mm-hmm. had to do it. But it was already foreseen. Uh, we got some quick hitters for you because we, we appreciate your time. We're wrapping this thing up. We just want to go through some some quick ones for you. Um, first, Olympics 2004. Why did why did it fail? Um, I think it was the it was the collaboration of guys. I mean, all honesty, you know, we had a great it was, a, it was some great players, but the the for the what we were going to do, how we was going to do it, the mixture wasn't wasn't the right mix. That's all it was. That's pretty fair to say. Yeah. I mean, if you know anything about basketball, you know, certain guys don't mix together. You got two guys, you got two guys that do the same thing and are, are real ball dominant. It's not going to mix with guys who, who are ready to catch and shoot versus all the other stuff because they need, they need the ball to do things. You need on, on USA team, you, on USA team is the ones, the ones that do things. You got, you have a mixture of guys that do a lot of different things very well. You just can't have, you, you don't typically have two guys, two or three guys that do the exact same thing. You know, so you just don't do it. If if you were if you were coaching that team at the time, if you're Larry Brown, and you had to play a, a seven man rotation, who would you have played in the moment? Um, it would be kind of, you know what? Um, at the time though, I don't know if he would have been ready for it or not. But I would I would have at the time I probably I probably would have gave LeBron a chance to play point. Only reason I say that is because, you know, Steph and uh, AI, I, I love both those guys. You know, I was on the phone with this AI, I mean, Steph the other night. And, but, but they, they, they were two, two kind of similar guys. They, they are really good one-on-one players and uh, just scores. And um, like that, that mixture of those two right there didn't, didn't really mix for the team. And um, cause we got the, everybody kept the, out there watching those guys go to work, Tim, which, which is no, no, no knocking them at all. They're, they're too, they're just too talented. I think you can, you can have a team with one of them and then you can have a, another guy who's distributing versus one doing the other. 
But um, with that being said, though, um, yeah, I would try LeBron. At the, at the time, on LeBron really wanted to be more of a point guard at the time then. Like he is now. He was still kind of younger. But, I mean, who else are you throwing at the point to try to, to get create ball movement? You know what I'm saying? And yeah, nobody. We, we were very athletic and stuff like that, but we, we never got a chance to, to exploit and use the athleticism because, you know what I'm saying, we – and then we kind of big, too. We had Tim Duncan trying to post up, you know, and, and typically in international basketball, they don't really – Run a lot. They don't really post up their bigs a lot. Most of the bigs mm-hmm. are face up shooters. You know what I'm saying? And and they they want to spread the floor. They gonna shoot threes and stuff. That's why we was able to you know what I'm saying go small ball at times and try to and try to manipulate that a little bit as best way as possible. But you know our you know our we had traditional bigs and they did though typically. Why did you never get an all defensive team selection? Uh, I think everybody was Hayden. Honestly, you know, I mean, like, especially my first, especially the first year that we did, that we went small ball. I mean, like, for me to six seven to to go out there and have to guard the positions I did and do it for the full season, and we had the one of the best best record in the league at the time, I think too. Yeah, we had the best record that year, and I do it for the full season. How how was that not not rewarded? And then to me being so versatile, guarding throughout my career, guarding smalls, bigs, and all that stuff, ain't nobody do it the way I did it. Nobody, Mm-mm. nobody. Nobody. I mean, I'm not – everybody try to ask me to compare. I'm not shooting my horn or anything, but I just look at the game and I look at the competitive nature and stuff. Like, I mean, there's a lot of guys out here that play defense. I like Paul George versus Tilly. I like Kawhi Leonard. Some kind of – even LeBron is versus but when he want to play. But, like, he don't play it the whole time, though. You know, right. so not. But he's not doing it the whole game. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of guys that can play small ball, but now it's easier to play small ball now because there's no real bigs. Yeah. I, I just saw a bunch of stats the other day on Suns.com. Eight straight years, 15-9, a block and a steal. Eight straight years. Only Olajuwon, KG, and Sean Kemp did that. 03 to 07. In NBA history, only one guy had ever done it in four straight years of 150 steals and 100 blocks, and that was Sean Marion. And it's not just because he's on here. I think Sean Marion never getting a all-defensive team selection is just an all-time failure. Oh, it's a lot of all, it's a lot of things that fail at. You know what I'm saying? It's, it just is what it is, man. It comes to the territory. You know, I like... Maybe maybe one of these days I get I get some just do here and there, but you know at this, at this point you know what I'm saying I know I know I left an imprint on this game. That's all, I can honestly hold my hand up high and and look at the legacy I left behind on this game. I left an imprint on the game and what the game is right now. A big part of what the game is right now today. And I can sit there, I can honestly say that proud and and regardless if these young guys know it or who don't know it, the basketball world know or not, I, I can honestly say that. Regardless of what you want to say. When when everybody came to play Sean Marion, they knew they had to lace their fucking shoes up. Excuse my French. You know what I'm saying? They knew I came to play. Sorry. They knew I came to play. They knew they, they, had to, they had to guard me. They can say what they want to say. You can say you ain't like you can you always everybody always should try to, to defer to my how the way I shoot the ball. Like, why does that become an issue about me the way I shoot the ball? Don't nobody in the league shoot the same. <laughs> Guess what? Yep. I'm very effective. That's all that matters. It goes in. <laughs> it goes in. So don't don't take away what I've done on the court to talk about something that's that doesn't really matter. You know what I'm saying? I'll go a step yeah. further, Sean. Like just about your game in general, people sometimes describe it and say that you were before your time. And I would go as far as to say that you actually changed the game itself because your ability to play the four at your size, guard multiple positions. I think people copied that throughout the league and tried to emulate it, although they couldn't with the the talent level on the defensive side. And I think you personally changed the game. And I think. I think you I think you deserve a spot in the Hall of Fame. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Um the best Jason Kidd pass that you ever saw. Oh my gosh. Oh. 
I mean, listen, he, he, he threw me some great passes, though. Like, I mean, like the one he gave me for a game winner against Houston was crazy. I was like, how do you, I mean, he taunted, it was perfect for me just to lay, catch up and just throw it in the basket. I was like, wow. But I've seen him do, uh, do, a, do a, through a whole, a full court bounce pass. I was like, how the hell did he get that ball through there? It's like, you know, and, you know, one of the things about Jay Kidd, man, you know, his competitive nature in him does like, is, 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 is uncanny and unreal. Like he's a walking triple double. Like he's before his time. Think about it. But think about now if he's playing right now. He's putting up. He's doing the same thing Westbrook is doing. Mm. No he's question. A, he's, like he's one of the best rebounding guards. He's one of the fastest guards. And and uh, like man, dude, his, his passing was uncanny though, dude. Like seriously, think about what he did, what he was doing, man. And he was doing that during our generation though. Like the runs he got, I was. I was kind of mad for him as well, though. Like, there's no way in the world he shouldn't have got MVP one of those two years he was in in, in uh, New Jersey. Right. How did he? How you not get MVP? You go to the finals two years in a row. Did yeah. you? Did you? Yeah. Did you ever play called for you, Sean? Yeah, I had a couple plays, man. No, stop that, man. I had plays called, but you know, but the, a lot of times the way you play, you play on good teams and stuff. Naturally, the ball finds you, though. Yeah. But then that's the thing. I mean, I, I mean, you got so many of your points as the ball would naturally find you. I didn't know actually how many plays were in the book for you. Uh, I had a few, but it wasn't, it wasn't nothing crazy that we had to really do though. It just depends on who we playing and what's the matchup and when, when it was time to go. You know, that's, that's when you playing with guys who recognize uh, what's going on. But no, in Dallas, I had a lot, I had a few, quite a few plays in Dallas when I played here, you know what I'm saying? So it's just, it's just a different kind of situation though. Cause I end up having to, you know, instead of me trying to do, I mean, that's one of the things people understand about the game too. You want to talk about the game itself? Like I, I, I didn't, I, I, I changed my game for the teams I played on because I went to every team I went to required me to do something different. You know what I'm saying? Than what I was doing in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's not saying I could do it, but the other team needed me to do something else. You know what I'm saying? So that was, a, that was me. You know what I'm saying? Expanding my game to go becoming more of a post up player or more of a, a straight slasher or whatever it is they, they wanted me to do. That's what I did for them, you know, and right. that's what that's what helped me win. I, I wanted to win, so whatever it was, or wherever I had to do to win, that's why I adapted my game to. When Noah and I reached out to guys around the league, whether it was guys who know you, teammates, other players in the league, everyone talks about how great a guy you are, um, how authentic you are, and all these these positive things. Sometimes in Phoenix, that wasn't the case in terms of the media coverage, especially as it related to you as a teammate. What do you think the media got wrong there? Uh, I, I've never really let the media in. You know, it's only a few. It's only a couple of guys out there I really trusted. I never trusted the media because I, I feel like they're gonna they're gonna create. Like I said, they gonna they always want to create the narrative they want. You know, I mean. I, I love my teammates, you know what I'm saying? You know, I mean, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm 100. You're going to get me the same. You're going to get the same me all the time. If you, I mean, if you don't like it, you do like it, you don't like it. And, I mean, for the most part, I, I ain't really had no problems with none of my teammates, you know, and uh, that's, that's, that's who I was, you know, and, and um, you know, I, I, I love to compete, you know what I'm saying? And uh, I, I want to win. So, I mean, as far as the media that, that portrays something different, you know, like everybody wants to create something. So they got to create some kind of bad guy, some kind of tension somewhere. I guess I was the, I was the easy out for them because I wasn't your traditional player or star or whatever because everybody was talking about my shot. <laughs> so, you know, that was a that was an out for, for people. You know what I'm saying? People make excuses about a lot of different things and say a lot of different things. No, I mean, 
like that, you you hit it right on the nose, though. I mean, like I'm 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 candid. I mean, I, I'm sometimes I'm too honest, but I mean, I'd rather be that than than to be sitting there lying to, to telling you a lie that you know what I'm saying. It, it'd be like it, it, it eat at me, you know, make me it make me feel bad, you know what I'm saying. I'm sitting here lying to you. I know the fans loved you for all sorts of reasons. One of them being meet myself included, wanted me some money playing fantasy hoops all those years. Just, <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm sure, and I'm sure you've been told that a lot. Just a, yeah, just a nine killer in fantasy. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, do you have a Bentley now? No, 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 no. I don't. I don't, I don't need that right now. I mean, I'm good. I, I'm not to go get one if I wanted to, but no, I'm good. Oh, sure. I, don't, I, don't, I don't want that. Man. Those things, those things are nice, man. But some of you drive things up a lot. They depreciate very big. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. What do, What are your responsibilities right now on the board of the Retired Players Association? <laughs> Um, I just got elected and, um, uh, we just, uh, we had a meeting yesterday actually. So, um, right now we just, uh, I'm just going to try to help, help us get younger, you know what I'm saying? And, um, help try to, 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 to bridge the gaps of the, of the, of the new, the new generation, you know, that's, that's the big, the big part of it right now. You know, and I think, uh, you know, uh, me, Karan and, and Grant, and uh are the are the youngest right now in the, in the in the group right now and uh we trying to we trying to help it and help grow it and, and uh continue this legacy and i'm sure you will all right the program is called rejecting the screen so we always ask all of our guests at the end of the program pick one guy and for you we'll go with a teammate one teammate game on the line reject the screen go iso get a bucket who is it oh uh one teammate oh wow um, and, and and you could go back to a teammate from Chicago Summer League. No, no. You know what? I mean, I'm gonna go. For, I'm gonna stay pro because uh, just reject the screen. Oh, uh, I'm gonna stay. Oh, Stephon Marbury. Ooh. Mmm. You reject why? Him. Yeah, and go get a bucket. He just because he he sees something that somebody else don't see. You know, he got an advantage. Like he was very, he was very very good at. At rejecting screens, but also, but you gotta realize how quick he was, though. And um, uh, for for yeah, he was he was just a he's a freak. I mean, he he did some stuff, and I'm like, wow, he just did that. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I just had to, I had to, I had to get in line and follow suit, baby. <laughs> All right, he's the Matrix, four-time All-Star, yeah. two-time All-NBA, 2011 champ, the Dallas Mavericks, and somehow never on the All-Defensive team. Sean, we appreciate it. Thanks so much. Stay healthy. Thanks, guys, man. Y'all, y'all stay healthy, stay safe, man. You know, it was, it was a good time, fun time. You made me do it. Thank you. You know, no, I mean, I appreciate it. But yeah, I mean, like seriously, though, you think about it, though. Like some people want to create a narrative. I know, and I know what y'all was getting at. Y'all was getting at that book, Seven Seconds or Less, pretty much. Well, yeah. What yeah. What was your What was your thought when when Jack McCallum was there writing? So you know, so you you want to hear something real real? I, I mean, I would you could ask me this on the air. I would tell you this candidate. So like. So, so, we, so, so what? Wait, on. So what? What if we keep rolling and keep it in? Fuck it. Go ahead. I'm, I'm okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm hunted. Yeah. So, so, uh, so, so, inquiring about the seven seconds or less book, I didn't know what was going on. Whatever. But I was very honest. I wasn't. I didn't. I mean, they was asking me certain questions, and I was just like, man, you know, like it was. It was just kind of set up to, to to like try to make me look bad to a certain degree. Some of the questions he was asking, I'm like, really? I'm like, you really ask me these questions like this? I'm like, okay, but like, dude, like, give me, give me my credit too, though. Like, dude, like, you sitting there talking about this and that, you talking with somebody else, like, give me, what, what, show me some love a little bit. Damn. Like, I'm, I'm out here doing something that a lot of people can't do. In the, and, and, um, so anyway, the book came out or whatever. And, uh, I guess, I don't know if the, 
the Suns co-signed on it or not, or, or, or I think they had a co-sign on part of it or whatever and seeing what it was. I guess they really didn't care to a certain degree of how everybody was portraying me or not, as long as certain, certain people was portrayed the right way at the time. So um, uh, I actually, uh, somebody had pulled me, asked me, uh, I've asked me certain questions about the book. Like, damn, Sean, they, they make it seem like you was bitter and mad about something. I'm like, really? I ain't never read the book. I still, to this day, I ain't read the book. And I'm not going to read it. Because, you know, so that's based off of somebody else and somebody else dictating what they want to control and, and say what they want to say in it. So with that being said, though, I actually pulled, we was in Seattle. I actually seen, I had seen Jack. I actually pulled, I pulled him into a closet in Seattle in, 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 uh, in the old key, key arena. I pulled him in, I'm like, I was like, I got well close and personal. I was like, dude, like, I didn't get a chance to read your book. I'm, I'm hearing like, you took all, you took all these shots at me like this. Dude, you got something against me? Like, what the fuck? Why you want to sit there and uh, and, and come at me like that? I ain't do nothing to you. He's like, no, no, sure, I ain't got nothing personal against you. It was just, you know, I just, I just, I just feel like that, uh, whatever. I'm like, whatever. I'm like, dude, like that, that's so messed up. Like, dude, seriously. Like, but I mean, it wasn't, it was nothing like that. You know, it was just like, uh, I'm like, dude, that's just fucked up. You gonna take shots at me like that? You don't know me. I don't know you. You had, you remember me one time sitting down in the, in the, in the old training room downstairs in the practice locker room, asking me some questions, kind of singling me out or whatever, but like, I mean, but it wasn't nothing like that, but he made me, like, I really did, though. I really did pull him aside and ask him that, you know, he, he's like, no, no, it's nothing, I'm, I apologize. I'm like, you apologize? Damage is done now. Well, what, what kind of questions was he asking you? It was just, it was just stuff about the, uh, it was just random stuff. I can't remember it this day, you know, saying, all oh, honestly, you know what I'm saying, but I, I did pull him to the side and ask him that, though. Like, dude, what the fuck, you got something personal against me and you want to, you want to fight or something? Like, what the fuck? Like, what the fuck is all this about? Like, what did I do to you? Wow. Right. Wow. I yeah. really did. I actually, nope, nope. I swear to God, to this day, I actually pulled him aside in, 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 in Key Arena when we was playing in Seattle out there, right before it closed or whatever, right before it shut down or whatever, we was playing. And I don't know if we, I, I can't remember if we won or We probably did win. But I can't remember if we won or not. But I was like, dude, I was like, do you have something against me? Seriously. Why not like, read the book? I don't need to. Like as much as everybody told me not to, I mean, my my, my feelings like, man, it made you look bad. Man. I'm like, for real? I was like, damn. All right, that's why I'm like, to this, I won't ever read it. But this is what it is. This part of it, you know. Sometimes some people are able to be in a position where, you know, uh, they're, you know, saying they want to make sure. I mean, listen, we 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 in the business, dude. It's the business is I'm gonna make sure that I, if I want if I want you to look good, I want you to look good. I'm gonna make sure that that, that handles. That's how it is. That's like, yeah, come on, like you know. We control narratives and everything, media as well. You know, saying like they, like everybody. If you a business, and this is this is one business 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 one on one. We all know this. If you want to create a narrative for something, or all you gotta do, and you want to support somebody, regardless of what they did, did not do, or or put a perception out there for somebody, it's not hard. It's not hard. As long as you got everybody on the same page, it's not hard to create a narrative about any, anybody. It's not hard. Sure. sure. I'm, I'm going mm-hmm. to play the other side here. So, so I, I mean, I read the book, but I can't. I mean, it was so long ago that I, I really don't remember everything that was in the book or even a whole lot that was in the book. But if he's writing that book and if it made you out to look bad or put you in a bad light, those words... Did you ever think that maybe those words didn't come from him and those words came from other people in the organization? So it was it was what they were saying, like teammates or 
people in the front office or maybe the coaching staff? No, 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 they ain't none okay. of that. Okay. Like, like one of the things I, I've come to realize, and I, this is why I have relationships with a lot of people. In our, every team, I, every organization I played in, I have a, a, a quite a few relationships depending on who it is. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So, and uh, I, I, I was very, very adamant about making sure I sustained uh, communication and, and relationships with certain people and certain you know, a lot of teams. And like, dude, like you know, regardless of what it is, somebody, anybody know me and know anything like you say, anybody know who really know me? No, I do. I am team oriented. I want to win. You just sit there and say, oh, you don't like how I do this and like that, dude. I'm coming to play. I'm coming to compete. I might not agree with everything you do, dude, or or you might not agree with everything I'm doing, but you gonna get my full energy out on the floor. Believe that. When I came to play, I came to play. So you can't, you can't, as long as, long as you got, you getting that, that's all most people want. That's all any, any, any owner or, or GM or manager wants your guys to go out there and play with heart and, and passion. Who don't want that? You know what I'm saying? And you want to win. Because don't nobody want to go out here intentionally you lose every year. Everybody, I mean, I know it happens. Some teams are never going to win <laughs> right now. Mm-hmm. But, but, but seriously, like, Guys, teams and GM owners, they want to win. Fans want to see teams win. They don't want to see nobody lose. It ain't no fun to support the team that's losing all the time. You know, it's not. It's not a great atmosphere. It's not. It's not great. It's not. It's not great. It's not. It's uh. It's not a great aura when you feeling like you're gonna lose every time you walk on the floor. And feel like there's no desire to win here. It's like that's not. That's not a great vibe. That's not a great. That's not a great feeling to come to work like that. Well, your uh, your co-owner of your team in uh, Auckland. Matt Walsh is a really good buddy of mine, and and he wanted to make sure that I told you that he said you were the best. So he says oh. you're the best. So so regardless yeah. of what anybody else says, your co-owner <laughs> now as you're trying to win there in New Zealand, your co-owner says that you are the best. But Matt is doing a great job over there, man. Like he 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 is hands on with everything over there. He moved his whole family over there and locked and loaded. I love it. You know. I commend him for doing that. I, there's no way I could have did that. You know what I'm saying? Um, but uh, look, man, you know he's doing a great job. It's a, we uh, um, we have a great system over there, and uh, the the culture is amazing over there in New Zealand. If you ever been to New Zealand? It's the safest place in the world to go. Uh, the food is amazing. The wine is excellent as well. I mean, like it's just it's just a different it's a different kind of life over there, and. Um, like it's just it's just like you feel. I mean, when you're walking around, you just feel safe. You don't you'll see no policemen. When they don't carry, I don't even think they carry guns out there. It's just like you walking around. It's just like you're you're free. You know, you still got paper stuff, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, but how good how good is how good is R.J. Hampton? R.J. Is, is talented, man. You know, um, hopefully, you know what I'm saying. He we want him to get drafted and uh, and, and do good for him. You know, he's a talented young kid. Um, and uh, we, we wish them the best. All right, Sean, we really do appreciate it all the time. Stay healthy. Hope the family is, is, is happy and healthy. And we'll speak again. No doubt. No doubt, guys. Thanks. Appreciate it. As always, <laughs> we say it every time we have a guest on, which is every Thursday, going ISO edition, rejecting the screen. That there are so many other directions you can go in. And yeah, we could have gone deeper into certain games, go deeper into certain teammates, certain experiences. But Sean Marion, just like so many others, but maybe more so than so many others, has touched so many different parts of the game and the stories are endless. And I'm glad he said it. Because it's not just like he came before his time. 
or before the money was great. Sure, he would have made a lot more money, but the guy made over 130 mil in his career. But he set the standard for guarding one through five. I mean, he was the, as far as I remember, he was the first guy to guard one through five effectively. And not just effectively, at an all-defensive level. And the fact that he never made an all-defensive team is a crime as far as crimes go when it comes to those awards. And he brought it up. It was, I mean, it was what Draymond Green ended up doing for the Warriors. He was doing the same types of things defensively, not in the same body, not in the same way. His was more through athleticism, recovery time, quickness, um, and and really just his ability to handle whatever the task was and fight off bigs, but then chase down guards. But also, as he points out, he was doing it on the offensive end too. And yeah, people thought the jumper was ugly. People said, oh, well, he's not the traditional scorer or what have you. But everything that was asked of him on the offensive end, he contributed in more. I mean, the guy could shoot from the outside. He was incredible on the break in transition. Uh, but that's all him as a player, Noah. I was blown away with his candor and, and the fact that he was that open and honest with us. And I really appreciate it. And, and it's good. I think for, for sometimes these guests, they, they come on and they know that, you know, we're not going to ask a bunch of softball questions per se, but we, we want to get to the heart of what actually happened. And he told us in many of these instances, this is actually what happened in this moment. Yeah, and I think some of the some of the research that we had done certainly helps, and it always does, so that you're not just reading a Wikipedia page and then asking questions based on that. So being able to open up with the story that you had gotten about the time he bought a Bentley, when you can open up with that and then it opens up his mind, his heart, to be able to speak about a lot of other things. One thing that I, I don't know how I never how I didn't ask him, but <laughs> I'll ask him at some other point, but like I know how he got his nickname from Kenny Smith, The Matrix. Right, right. And The Matrix had just come out. And, and it just, it had come out. We're recording this on April 1st. I believe The Matrix came out. I think I saw this yesterday, or maybe it was the day before, but it was March 31st of 1999. So we almost spoke to him on the exact <laughs> anniversary of The Matrix. But I think Kenny Smith had always said it's a matrix. He's the matrix because he can do everything. But that doesn't make any sense. Like, that's not what, that's not what the matrix means. <laughs> like, the matrix is this place where something develops and something grows. So, like, maybe it was the matrix that Sean Marion had been living in that allowed him to grow into who he was but like matrix and swiss army knife are not the same thing right right i always took it to mean that i i think about that iconic shot of like the slow motion and the the movement and the way it's just this unique movement and things right, right. like right, I, right. I i took right but like keanu reeves wasn't he wasn't the, the matrix. matrix right no <laughs> yes. it was the environment was the Matrix. To be fair, to be fair, the Matrix is a better nickname than Keanu would have been for, for Sean oh, Murray. for sure, for sure. And, and, <laughs> and I don't know Sean well enough to call him Tricks, and I think that's what 
I think that's what everybody calls them is tricks. Right, right. Those nicknames just don't exist anymore. And no. it's a shame. Like, you don't go around calling a guy by his nickname. Like, KD isn't a nickname. That's you know, a great ticket, call. Ticket is a nick. Guys call KG Ticket. Everybody call calls him Ticket. You bring up a good point. Trace. That's like actually a really good point. That it, the nicknames have gone away. And every, I mean, that was a that was a basketball tradition for years and years that guys got nicknames. And what's interesting is like even Kevin Durant, people want to call, call him Durantula. No one calls him that. Going to call him that. Like, like Shaq had like too, Shaq had so impersonal. many nicknames. And I think. I mean, and no one's going to walk up to Shaq, go, oh, big Aristotle. You know, but I think a lot of people still call him Diesel. Yeah, I was going to say Diesel, way, they that, refer to him as. That's a nickname. All right, yes. that works. That works. Yes. C-Web. Yeah. Not really Going down the list. Come on, C-Web. No, no, t- no, wait, hold on. If KD isn't a nickname for Kevin Durant, C-Web it's not a nickname for Chris. <laughs> it's fair, but, but but keep in mind that was also the thing at that time, though. There were a bunch of guys. Well, I that understand, you but took, it's like, not a nickname. First initial. Part. I get it. I get it. But it's not. It's not a nickname. All right. You know what? That's fair. It's fair. I hate to concede, but but that's fair. That's fair. The Going Iso Edition every Thursday on Rejecting the Screen, all in the same feed. You'll hear Eddie Johnson, Ryan Rosillo. Peter Bessie, Sam Mitchell, Richard Jefferson, a host of others. Everybody and everybody has touched the NBA. We're trying to have a broad spectrum of voices and stories here on Rejecting the Screen. So you can listen to that now. You can listen to it three years from now because the information is as evergreen as it gets. So you can go back and listen to all of those. And also if you're at home, which as we record this, everybody is or at least should be, you can just use your smart device and say, Alexa, play rejecting the screen as I look over my shoulder and <laughs> you can hear it. <laughs> you got to say the rejecting the screen podcast and they'll play it. Check out everything else going on on the Locked On Podcast Network, of course, Locked On NBA, Hollinger and Duncan, Locked On Fantasy Hoops with Josh Floyd and your team every day, all 30 teams on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Adam is on Twitter at NaismithLives. I'm at Noah Kozlov, C-O-S-L-O-V. On Instagram, yeah, 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 we're still working on it, at rejecting underscore the underscore screen. Adam, thanks, pal. You are the best.